Hello, this is Lady Sarah, and you are listening to The Basement Lounge. Hey guys, this is Mike Shea, and I want to talk to you about Anchor. Yes, Anchor is the brand new free way for you to get your podcast career off and running without any cost to you. Simply download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast to give you everything you need in one place for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds play magnifique without having to worry about all the costly setup. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all of that. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. They set you up with awesome sponsors. All you got to do is record a script, kind of like what I'm doing now, throw it onto your show and start making money. Once again, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get your podcast career off and running right now. Just do it already. Hey guys, this is Mike, and before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know that you can now join the Basement Lounge team by supporting the show on Patreon. Right now, we have a $1 tier that is so full of cool rewards, you'd be a fool to pass it up. Just go to patreon.com slash basementloungepod to sign up right away, and now, on with the show. Grab a drink, pull up a chair, and settle in. Because you're in the Basement Lounge. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Basement Lounge. This is the cool, relaxed space where we sit down with comedians, actors, musicians, anybody working in entertainment who's got a story to tell. And and today, we've got a very special guest. You may have seen her around the L.A. area. Uh, She is an actress, a writer, and a comedian. Her name is Betsy Cox. Betsy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> we are so happy to have you. Uh, you, uh, I was, I, I do a little bit of online stalking for of everybody before I bring them on because you know that's what we do. Um, your website, blingandbetsy.com. First of all, let's let's just ask where does where does the blingin Betsy handle come from? Hey, you know it's really funny, Mike. I'll tell you. I started um, an account a hundred years ago on Twitter. And Betsy Cox was taken. And I was like, oh, great. Who am I going to be? And I love to wear, like, shiny, glittery clothes. So I'm always blinging around town. So I was like, I'm going to be blinging Betsy. <laughs> and it just stuck. And I've kept it all these years. And when IG came out, I added it to my Instagram name. And now I'm just blinging Betsy. I love it. It's 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 very you. I, I'm I'm a sucker for alliteration, so I, I like that as well. Um, you you anybody who's yeah. followed Betsy on Instagram, you are always just dressed to the nines, rocking the jewelry, rock rock rocking the, the the heels and the dresses, and 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 dressed like a superstar. Would it be safe to say you're a bit of a fashionista? Yeah, I love fashion, but I also really like fun fashion, too. You know, I'm a girly girl. I like to dress up, but I love, like, fun, crazy, wild things, you know? I mean, I feel like a lot of a lot of girls like fashion, right? <laughs> but um, I just really love, like, crazy, wild, interesting fashion, like shoes with bows on them or, like, silver or gold all over them. 
I, uh, I, I've been scra- scrolling through some of the photos here, and, and to say you like the wild and the wacky stuff is is a uh, is an understatement. You, I mean, we've got you dressed like a full on Las Vegas with the girl with the with the feathers and the wings and and just all all of it. Yeah, the feathers are from a show I did. It was a really, um, it was a, a big theater production. You might know it. It was on, um, it was an off-Broadway show. Brooke Burke did it years ago. It was called Pieces of Ass. And then they brought it back for a 10-year anniversary, and, you know, I auditioned for it, and I got to do it. It was crazy, such a cool show. And I did all the bit parts coming out between each, that girl's red. It was really fun. So I got to wear all these crazy outfits, which is perfect for my personality. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a cool show. Um, we're before before I want to I want to get more into the into into the show and kind of what it's about and how you got involved with that. Uh, the one the one image that seems to come up a lot that we see in a lot of your photos and and seems to be you just Google Betsy Cox and it pops is is, is you wrapped up in caution tape. Oh, yeah. Yes. What's the story behind the caution tape? Here's the story behind that. Um, I am a little bit of a dumb blonde. (laughs) I will admit I'm not quick to catch on, you know. Um, And growing up, I was kind of like, oh, you know, my, and, and, you know, very close to my stepdad was like, you know, just such a, funny, fun stepdad I had. So I was trying to think of my email tag, and I found it saying caution blonde thinking. And I showed it to my stepdad, and I said, should this be my email tag? And he was dying. He's like, Betsy, that is so you. So when I started doing comedy, I do all these shoots, you know, fun photo shoots and um, I thought, you know, I could make a dress out of caution tape, like the blonde is thinking. <laughs> That's how that came about. And I really probably posted that picture two times, and I get asked about that more than any picture I've ever taken. It's the caution tape. It's it's you know it's become it's really become a part of a part of your identity. It seems like it's it's what people seem to associate with you now. Yeah, totally, totally. Like caution, here she comes. <laughs> so yeah. So the pieces of ass show, like, like what? Tell tell me about this. Like, how'd you get involved in it? Like, what what's what's the show about? Like, where 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 did what's that story like? You know that storyline's kind of interesting. So it's pieces of ass is like basically it was like it was a show that was based around. Girls who were, you know, hot or good looking and the things that they face because people look at pretty girls and think that they have it so easy. And all these girls, some of them were very dramatic, like uh, you would cry through some of them. And then some of them were just hilarious, you know, and the things that they went through in their lives and things that happened to them. So you could kind of normalize and see that no one had it easy. Life is the same for everyone and everyone kind of has their backstory and their pain, you know, and things about them, uh, you know, that they went through in life just like anybody else. And that was the, the base of the, the, the show. That was just the, 
to start. And every girl told their story about, you know, in school being picked on or, you know, having bad things happen to them through their life. And then there are these in-between parts where I would come out in the show and do blonde jokes, like, but, but in a very funny way, read, like, um, articles that, like, you know, were negative towards pretty women. It was really just quite a hoot. Um, so that was the kind of the basis of the show. Uh, but it was a huge, it was probably a, at an 800 seat theater and it just was a huge red carpet event. It was such a fun, good time. And you got to learn about all these people, their actresses in it. And a friend of mine called me and said, years ago, I did this show called Pieces of Ass. You may have heard about it. Brooke Burke was in it. Like a lot of big actresses were in it years ago and they're bringing it back. And I think you should audition for this specific role and I said sure I'll you know send my stuff over and if they like me sure I'll go meet with them and audition I met with them for coffee and then they brought me into like a little theater and I auditioned and then they were like you know we love you we think you're crazy like you got it and I was like cool and then we rehearsed for so long and put it up And you know, you mentioned the show being about you know the stories that that all these all these different women have experienced some funny, some not so funny, and and getting to have that role like yours, where you're you're almost kind of you're you're the you're the palate cleanser, you're the you're the tension breaker between the between the segments between the bits. Um, it, it, it's no secret to anybody on on the internet. Betsy Cox is a very beautiful woman. And working in entertainment, Betsy, has that been something where you've had to experience maybe uh, a, a pieces of ass story of your own that maybe, I don't know if you got to tell them as part of the show or maybe one that you could have? Uh, is, has that been something you've had to experience yourself? You know, I think everybody has a pieces of ass story. I mean, I think everybody in the world has, like, a story. Um, I, you know, it was interesting because I was, uh, you know, the girl that was the break in between. I've always been super goofy, and I'm. I like to be a light in a room, you know. Not, not. But um, they actually, after I did the first show, just you know, it's really interesting because my part wasn't supposed to be the star of the show. Like that, it was just like the break in between the pieces. But it turned out that my part was the biggest comedic. Part. They were like, it's not supposed to be funny, but everyone was laughing. Um, and then they said to me, maybe you should do a piece because this turned out to be so well. And I remember, you know, they they, they canceled the show after that, that one. They were going to start putting it up regularly. They decided not to, and they ended up not doing it. But, you know, I didn't know. I was kind of sworn on if I would want to do a piece and talk about that or you know, there are a lot of things. I think about doing a, a one-woman show, and I kind of have a title, and I have a really good story. But a one-woman show comes from, uh, you know, the truth of a painful place, and then, it, you know, it's kind of like a comedy that comes from that. Um, but it would be interesting, because I, I really did like being the comedic break in between these. I like to entertain and, you know, be funny and goofy and wild and so it would have been interesting. But, yeah, they did want me to do a piece. And, yeah, I mean, of course I have, you know, I would have a lot of stories. I grew up, 
you know, super poor um, with a single mom, told my mom that my stepdad, and even when she met my stepdad, we didn't have a lot, but we had each other, so we were very, I'm, I'm very close to my sisters and my mom, um, and yeah, there's a lot of pain in growing up poor. I mean, it's really hard. You kind of teased all the time. Um, you feel like an outcast, and it's just, you know, I mean, I think everybody has like that. I think that's what makes us the people we are today. And like the people who have the hardest stories are probably the people that want to inspire other people and bring people up and make people feel good. I mean, I like to get on stage and make people laugh and make them forget about whatever happened in their day, you know, and let's just have a good time together because, you know, that's really what life is about, I feel like. That's a really great, it's a really great way of looking at it when you can take your own experiences, be they good or bad or somewhere in between, and and find a way to to turn them on their head, kind of kind of take the power away from them, so they don't, so they don't, so they don't run your life, so that you still maintain, uh, you know, that level of control. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, really, um, you know, things in comedy you talk about, those are things that you're like teasing about yourself at yourself for that other people relate to that other people are like you know if I do like aging jokes people are like oh it sucks getting older or like you know I gotta worry about my husband or I have to worry about this I'm saying it for you you don't have to say it and I'm saying it and now you don't have to feel bad about yourself for feeling that way because every woman feels that way you know and now we can all relate together laugh about this have a great time and feel better about ourselves and just know that, hey, the girl on stage is going to the same thing as me. She feels the same way. And that's what's sort of cool is because I feel like people coming together like that and getting, you know, someone saying what everybody's feeling just lightens everybody's life up. And that's why comedy is so powerful. And and now that now that we've kind of transitioned into, into talking about doing comedy, let's 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 really delve into that. Um, so l- what I always ask all of my comedians when they come on uh, come on the show is is how and when did you get your start doing comedy? You know, I'll tell you. And I did write in one of my write ups, and it's a really crazy story. I I didn't realize I was a comedian growing up. I was I was every character of my family growing up. I would sit in the kitchen. And while at dinner, and I would stand up and be my stepdad, and then I would be my sisters, and then I would be my mom, and I would do conversations between all of these people at the same time. But I just never thought of that as comedy. Um, But I I moved, and I wanted to model. That's what I wanted to do. I love taking pictures. I love taking pictures because I love looking into a camera, and I love creating a world that I am looking into and when that shot is snapped, you look at me and you see the world through my eyes. I there is something so magical about taking pictures to me and I love seeing that. I love seeing the beach or the sun and those are the things I'm thinking about when that camera's snapping at me or seeing like a world out there, something mystical. I'm laughing at something that I think is funny while the camera's taking pictures. But I will tell you this, modeling didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> I did not book a lot of jobs. So I started taking acting classes. 
And through an acting class, an acting teacher was like, you are a comedian. Like, you step on stage, and you are so odd. You're crazy, and you don't even know that you're being this way because <laughs> you're just awkward. She's like, you should really do stand-up. And I had tried it, and then I had had, you know, I had my brother passed away, you know, and then I met my husband, got married. Um, my stepdad got really sick and ended up passing away of cancer. And so I just had a lot of things in life. And I, then I started doing these videos with my sisters and uh, all But I was still doing sketch and I did UCB and uh, the classes and I was on a little indie improv team. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to do stand-up again. And when I start doing it again, I'm just going to roll through it no matter what happens. I'm just going to keep going. And that's what I've done for about two years now. And um, I haven't even taken a break. And it's just, that's basically my starting comedy. Like, I'm just going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. And it's just been a really fun, fun, exciting ride. It, I, You know, and, and I'm, I'm with you there. I, I started doing it relatively young I started when I was in high school and I've kind of been going ever since and it's one of those things where it seems it it seems to me like like comedy is one of those things where you're either hooked for life or you you never go back to it again and you can always tell which one you are based on the first time you think about quitting or the first time you actually do quit I I quit at one point uh in college and within a year, I I was right back to it. I I couldn't stay away. It's it's like uh, it's like an addiction, or it's 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 just it's just something that pulls you in. And we talk about getting bit by the comedy bug all the time. And I think people who who have never been bitten by it or have never never had that hook don't realize just how much it it reels you back in, no matter what you do. It definitely does, and even and it's so interesting too because. You know, everybody has a bad night at work. You know, and sometimes you just have a bad night. You're, like, not feeling it. You're like, oh, God, I'm so tired. Even when you have that bad night, it's still like, got to get back on stage tomorrow. <laughs> bad night tonight. So it's interesting. It just totally traps you and hooks you. But I do feel like back when I first did it, I just didn't, I felt like, then my I did not have a voice then. I did not have something to say. I couldn't find something to say. Or, you know, I mean, I had good sets that were doing great, but I just wanted to say something else. And today, being a little bit older and not in my 20s, is like I feel like I have a lot more and I'm a lot stronger of a person. Although I, I, I'm not going to say because I have worked since the age of 11. And I've always had, like, a struggle type of life. I've always been a strong, like, tough, you know, not break me down type of person. But I don't know. I'm more in my feet today, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And I we, we had uh, a, a woman on here at the beginning of the, beginning of the year named uh, Jody McDermott. She started doing comedy just in, in within the last few months. And, you know, she's... She's at that age now where her kids are grown and and they're moving out and they're going on to do her thing and she kind of described it as like her, it's all it's almost like a, like a renaissance for her life. It's like you know you put certain things on hold when you you get married or you have kids and and life kind of life kind of takes over and your priorities change. 
But when you get to that point where you have that freedom again, it, it becomes a matter of, okay, now what do I do with myself? And in her and in her case, it was, look at all these years I've had with a husband and a kids and a job. What, what about, you know, she was able to find, find the funny in that and the experiences in that, that, that led to, you know, writing jokes and telling jokes on stage. And for you, it sounds like you kind of had the same thing growing up with the family that you did and the experiences you had and how you've been able to kind of, uh, like, like I said earlier, you know, turn those on their head and, and find a way to make, make those, make those situations and those stories, um, more than they may have seemed at the time. Yeah, Definitely. So with with you, you know, you you mentioned you mentioned growing up, growing up in, in a tough situation, uh, fi- you know, fi- financially, um, coming from a blended family. So where is where where did all the you know because you're you're in, out in Los Angeles now, but where where was home for you growing up? Oh, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Are you, okay. We got a Southern girl. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm a Carolina boy myself. Yeah. Um, so nice. let's 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 talk seafood. Or no, you're a vegan. What? I take that back. You're a vegan. Yeah. You are full. You know, it's interesting because I, 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 you know, clearly I'm from New Orleans. I definitely was not always vegan. But it's funny that yeah, I moved to LA and I had vegetarian friends and I had gone vegetarian a few times. Um, and I think cutting the cheese is what helped me, you know, stay fully because cheese is like, it's like, it's so bad for you. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I've turned into a total Cali environmentalist. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge animal lover, huge animal lover. And then it's like, it's so funny because I thought I got to write jokes about this. Growing up, you're never even thinking when you eat meat, you're eating an animal. And then when it when you start to think about it, I, as I got older, I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But it's so crazy because today, you know, it's, today it's so different to me again compared to 20 years ago. Like, they have all these impossible burgers that taste just like a real burger. It's, it's crazy. So, have you, have you tried the impossible burger yet? Yes, I, I've tried. I've tried everything. Um, do I eat that uh, all the time? No, probably not. Um, and not for any reason. I just, you know, I, I'm, a, I, I'm really probably because my mom growing up would be like, "Eat a salad and a cigarette." You know, <laughs> I, I grew up eating so much salad, and I am a huge like salad psycho. Like I'm always like, "Let's go get a huge salad." Um, but yeah, no, I do eat the Impossible Burger, and I love French fries. I mean, I'd rather eat French fries than anything, anyway. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember Kevin Smith telling a story about when he became vegan, and he said the the greatest day of his life was when his wife reminded him that peanut butter and jelly was vegan. Oh, that's hysterical! <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, See, I know people are always like, "Like, what do you eat?" I'm like, "Well." I eat apple. <laughs> I eat salad. <laughs> I eat stir fry. I mean, I eat everything you eat just without the meat on it. 
I've you know I've thought about it. I, I I really have. You know, I'm 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 in my 30s now, and and I'm trying to be a little more health conscious, and uh, mostly because my doctor said I have to be. And you know, looking at those looking at those options, like you know, could I could I go without the meat? Could I try and start off slow? Because because I because I, I, I do love salad. I love a good salad. I eat a salad for lunch just about every single day. Um, but again, I'm a Carolina boy, so, you know, barbecue is kind of my jam. That's kind of my thing. And being here in the, yeah. been here in the Midwest, which is just corn and cattle country. Um, but would, you know, my uncle went vegan and, and he said the biggest thing for him has been bacon. He get and he gets those, uh, those soy bacon bits and puts them on everything. Cause he said, it's just, it's, it, it helps. Yeah, I think, you know, I really do think the crossover foods help. It's very, you know what it is? I'll tell you, I, I really do feel like um, food is the hardest thing in the world to change. Mm. It's the hardest thing for you to change because it's a habit from the day you were born. So it's like breaking a lifelong habit. It, it would be like if you were do anything you would do from the day you're born is a hard habit to break, and it's so normalized to do it. Um, so it's been a challenge, and I will say, like, I, I did do it slowly. Like, I stopped eating red meat and pork, and I didn't eat that for, like, you know, 15 years. And I, I really don't like, like, I really don't even like, like, chicken and, like, I didn't, like, love that stuff. And so I don't, I mean, but I did like to eat, like, when I was growing up, I did eat bacon cheeseburgers, and seafood was really hard for me because I love crab, but that's what I grew up eating all the time. But... You know, it's interesting to take little things out and just try it. Um, and I will tell you this, ever since I became vegan, and I feel bad saying this, but I, I never, I used to be like, oh, I gotta like eat healthy this week, like my jeans are tight. No, I'm in the same size jeans as I was in high school. <laughs> I hate you I mean, so much for that. Like normal, yeah, it's like, I, and I never go, I gotta die and I'm gaining, like it's, I'm always the same. <laughs> It's not a thing I ever have to think about as being weight ever. It's so crazy. I think about it all the time. I think about losing weight all the time. Um. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never have to. You know, I mean, it's not even a thought. Like, oh, I have to lose weight. I'm, but, like, if I don't go to the gym for two weeks, I'm like, oh, I have to start toning up. My ass is dropping so slow. <laughs> you know, that's a little bit. So what's that now, now? So now that you have, you know, you've you've made the the epic lifestyle change of becoming a vegan, vegan or not, everybody's got their everybody's got their vices. What's your what's your biggest food vice right now? Like, what's the one thing, no matter what, you just can't, you, you need it. <laughs> Caffeine. Yes. Coffee, Coke, Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I used to, for a while, all my friends here will drink Diet Coke. And I was doing that for like years. And then I was like, you know what? I like Coke. Like, it's the one thing I want to do is drink a Coke now whenever I do it. So I'm like, can I get a Coke? I, I, I work in television, and whenever I meet somebody who tells me, I, I had somebody who's like, oh, I said, they're like, I don't drink coffee or tea, and I was just like, I don't I don't understand what that's like. I, I can't imagine living like that, like, without that regular caffeine source. No, I'm, um, I'm drinking a, a, a coffee right now, to be honest with you, and it's my second one. <laughs> Only your second? You're slipping. You're, you, come on. 
Get on I'm it. I'm telling you, you know what's so funny is that I had to, I had to stop drinking coffee these past three. I was up to like four or five coffees a day and then sometimes a Coke at night. I was like, okay, Betsy, you got to calm down, girlfriend. Like, <laughs> so I'm trying to like keep it to like, you know, a coffee or two a day and a Coke or two or something like that. But you know how it is when you're doing comedy. It's like, you know, I have a dog clothing line with my sister's devious dogs. We were just on the news. We were on KTLA here in Los Angeles. And we did a new segment on our vegan dog clothing line. Um, and it's so funny because, like, you, you realize you, like, work all day. And then you've got to be on at night when you're getting on stage. And even when you're not doing a show, you're doing all these workout rooms the new material all the time you're doing two or three a night so i have to drink coffee to stay up like i'll wake up at six in the morning to feed my five dogs go back to sleep for an hour get up post on instagram get my day started work it and then do the comedy at night and then it's like every day that that cycle goes on and with the with the comedy scene being what it is out out in Los Angeles, you know, I mean, it's 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 pretty busy out where I'm at for a, being a small Midwest town. But out in L.A., you know, is is there like a certain level of maybe pressure or something you feel or intimidation you get just from the fact that it's the L.A. comedy scene? It is. Well, the L.A. comedy scene is probably the hardest. I mean, I some people say, I mean, New York is hard too. You know, big 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 cities like this, but um, I. I think that I really do think, because I, I really do, I run my own race. You know, I I just try to be the best I can be. I just don't try to, like, compete with where everyone else is or look at where everyone else is and feel bad about myself, because everybody is where they are supposed to be, and you'll get to the level when you're supposed to be there. But um, I do feel like there is a lot of pressure all the time on writing new material, but I think that's more or less the thing for me. I feel like I have a, you know, I mean, I see comics do the same set for years, and they don't really change it up, and I think that's fine, but, like, for me, I like to, like, change it up and have this and have that and have new jokes that I'm working in all the time, you know, and I'm trying to build a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger set. And for so, what? I mean, there's pressure with that, but if you, if you don't live, you can't write. So I also try to like balance, like doing fun things, going out and enjoying life, you know? And and I think that's something that gets, that gets missed a lot. We've, we've talked about that on this show before with other comics where, the, the you know the worst thing that can happen is for comedy to start feeling like work you know when it feels like a chore when it feels like something that you have to get through as opposed to something that you get to go do is when i think you really i think a lot of that comes down to either reevaluating your process or reevaluating your approach to the whole thing um let me just tell you that is called a what that every comic I'm sure gets into. I know I can speak for myself and say that I totally get trapped in that what mm-hmm. of it feeling like the pressure of like, oh my God, I got to write. Like, I need your jokes this week. Oh my God, I, like, I can't think of anything because I'm putting so much pressure on myself. Um, and I do think that um, when that happens, 
it's time to take a vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's time to get in the car and drive somewhere and go for a night or two or three, whatever you need. Because once you, I, I just recently felt like, oh my God, like it was like stressing me out. Like I was like, I got to do this and I got, and I was so busy with everything else and all the pressure and I went to Europe for two weeks. I came back, and I am, like, dancing around the stage like a freaking ballerina. I'm having such a good time again. I'm like, this is who I am. This is why I'm doing this, you know. And But I just feel like, I feel like that's everybody. And everybody today, we work so hard. We put so much pressure on ourselves. It's crazy. And we take the fun out of things just because we're so in our head. So I think stepping back and, like, even if you have to take a meditation class or get online and do a meditation and just, like, take a deep breath and remember, like, this is supposed to be fun. And when that goes, why would you want to do it, you know? Yeah, it, it and, and, come, and this is coming from somebody right now who... I don't. I don't get to go up as much right now, just because of because of you know work and life kind of getting in the way, um, which is part of the reason why I have this show. You know, it's one of those where I hate to be away from it. I I do miss it, but at the same time, you know, I can also look at where I was at up until the part where I had to I had to step away from it, and you know, I definitely can tell that I was getting to a point where I was so. You know, I I, I kind of got I kind of got in that moment in that period where like I had I had a I had a tight five and I was it was a relatively new set and I was kind of beating it into the ground and I kind of realized I hadn't done like new any new bits in like months and so taking taking the opportunity to step away and kind of re like you said just take get out of that rut for a little bit and come at it from a new angle I think is is going to be really beneficial to me eventually. And, and so I, I completely understand where you're coming from as far as the taking the vacation kind of thing. Yeah. Sometimes, and even sometimes don't get on stage for a week if you need the damn break, you know, and sometimes, you know, things fall flat because, and you know, it's because you're like totally overworked, exhausted. You're working it too hard and you need to just let go. And then you need to just get back to who you are. It's really interesting. I mean, I just find, you know, even in the little bit of time that I've been back on stage, it's just so interesting to see. You see the biggest comics have a bad night, or you see them get, and then you see them kill the next night. It's just, comedy is such a weird beast, but I really do think it's all, it's all inside of you what's coming out. You know what I mean? So if you're in like a stressful rut or you're like, I've been working the same thing, I'm over it, take a week off and then get excited about saying it again because it's going to come across different. It's, it's such a weird thing, but I just, that, but that is a part of it that I am obsessed with too. It's like getting into the point of like keeping it, fresh getting up every night and feel like you're just ripping your set and like you know creating a party between you and an audience and like feeling like y'all are just a bunch of friends at the table you know what I mean and that is that is the part that's obsessive but but you know and then there's that time when you you're just like oh god like I need to do something you know I need to work off our material and that those two parts are like, it's like the dark side and the light side, the side of life. You know, it's just, they, ah, you can easily fall to both. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's crazy. But you get so in love 
with doing it, and then you fall into the trap of, uh, you know, that part, that, that part of, like, the, the struggle, the writing, the in your head. You know, it's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a moment to interrupt the show and give a very special shout-out to the people who support this show every month on Patreon. I want to shout out Whitney Latin and my mother, Melissa Shea, who every single month helps support this show. And if you want to be one of those awesome people, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash basementloungepod and join the $1 tier. You'll get shouted out on the air, get your name listed in the description. You get early access to all these shows, commercial-free, through our Patreon RSS feed and so many other cool rewards. Once again, go to patreon.com slash basementloungepod, join the $1 tier, and help support the show. Speaking of the show, let's get back to it. Um, we, uh, we have these, every Sunday we have a big uh, showcase at the club here in town. Uh, called the at Wiley's Comedy Club called Wiley's Sunday Comics, and before every you know the show starts at like eight, and so every Sunday before the show for about two hours, we have the comics get together for a comics hang, and it's, it's supposed to be kind of like a group writing session, kind of a way to decompress and and get the jitters out before before the show starts. And one thing that we're that uh, the lady who runs the show is starting uh, this month is. Uh, a kind of work sh- workshops about just doing stand up in general and and she wants and and this this week's uh a topic is going to be about show and stage etiquette um and so are, would you do you think there are maybe some some types of stage etiquette as far as being a comedian that should i maybe are really more important than others or maybe need to be focused on that maybe have gotten lost in recent years huh that's a good question. Right? <laughs> stage etiquette. I mean, it, it would never be something that I would ever think about. Right, yeah, she 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 posted that we have our we have our Facebook group for the local comedy scene and she had she had posted that yeah, we're going to do a thing about stage etiquette this coming Sunday. And I read that and I just thought to myself, it's that's not something I've ever thought about, but now that I do think about it, that's kind of a fascinating thing to think about. It is a fascinating thing. I mean, I just, I mean, yeah, I, I well, I mean, probably <laughs> don't treat the crowd like shit. I don't know. Right? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, guess, I, mean, some, I, I always hate when you see somebody, you can always tell uh, someone who's experienced from somebody who's new based on the single, anybody who ever mentions, oh, tough crowd. It just, oh, that, that I've been doing this so long that that just, that, that boils my blood instantly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. In, yeah, totally. But it's interesting to think about that because I don't know. I never even thought about it. I don't even, I feel like I'm such a, a, a crazy person. Like, I'm just, I don't know. It's such interesting. Stage etiquette. Huh. 
You should call me off the podcast and tell me how that went. <laughs> so, all right. Well, then let's 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 uh, let's move on to, to to something else here. Uh, so let's 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 get personal a little bit, Betsy. Let's get, let's 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 dive deep in, in into Betsy Cox. So you 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 mentioned that sounded a lot dirtier than I meant for it to. Um, so Betsy, you you mentioned that you're married. Yep. How how how's how long you been married? I've been married for eleven years. Get the hell out of town, really? Yeah. I know people shocked in L.A. too. As I'm telling you, in L.A. to be married for a year, <laughs> it's crazy. I've been married for eleven years. So where where did you and the hubby meet? I was working in a bar. Nice. And um, he came in with a bunch of friends, and he sat at my table, and I was like, hey, you guys want to do a shot? <laughs> and we all did a shot together, and he was making fun of how big my feet were. And I thought, <laughs> is he making fun of I was like, are you? He's like, I think you left your sleds off. I was like, and he's, my husband is such a funny guy. And I'm like, are you making fun of how big my feet are? And he's like, uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, all the other boys like them. And then from there, but I had dated so many weird guys here in L.A. I was like, oh, God, is, what is wrong with this guy? What's going to be wrong with this guy? But no, after, like, dating him two or three months, I was like, I'm probably, this is probably my guy, 100%. That's, I knew right away. After really, after only three months, that's that's crazy to yeah. me. Only because I, I know can't, it's I, weird. <laughs> I've never, I never ever felt that way. I never had a relationship longer than six months before I met him. I dated everyone for two or three months, and I was like, I'm bored. I am so bored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that funny? That's fantastic. It's so weird. <laughs> And, yeah. and how is and, and I mean I would assume he's uh, as far as everything goes he's on board with everything he'd been married 11 years it'd be kind of shitty if he hated if he wasn't on board with the with the comedy thing to be kind of that's something to talk oh, about in yeah, therapy yeah I know listen he like today he's like you woke me up at one thirty in the morning I wake up for work and I'm like oh my god shut up I want to sleep <laughs> in my own bed with the dog <laughs> He's ready to kill me half the time. This is not all rainbows, but no, he's like, you know, I mean, it's great that he's supportive, and it's just such an opposite world from what he does. He's been, you know, does like he's like a business guy, um, so it's really funny. And he's but he's so funny. I'm always like, hey, is this funny? He's like, eh, you should work harder. I'm like, great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> does he uh, does he still come out to shows and stuff? I know. I never let him come out to shows. Oh, you don't let him? I never. First of all, he's, he's half asleep by the time the show's happening. <laughs> he gets off of work, and he's a huge mountain biker. So he'll, like, go mountain bike, and then um, another time he gets home and eats, it's, like, 8.39, and, you know, but I, I don't really, because it's just, I don't, it's not, like, it's weird. It's, like, if I was, like, I wouldn't go to his office and sit and watch him talk about deals all day. You know what I mean? Right. And I do run all of my comedy by him because a lot of him, a lot of it, I am talking about, you know, just about marriage and this. And I'm like, hey, listen, do you mind? Like, I have this joke about, you know, I do this, you know, jealous life bit. 
I was like, hey, look, I want to say this about you. Do you mind? Like, I like, I like to keep my husband scared. I have a bit about it. And I'm like, I like to find skid marks in my husband's underwear because then I know he's so scared he's shitting on himself. <laughs> <laughs> I need to run by him because I'm like, are you going to kill me? And I'm saying, I'm and he's like, oh, and he'll be like, uh, that's funny. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's so great. But, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, because there, there is that also that line of like, respect. Like, I respect my husband. He's a good guy. He, you know, he's, and he's always been very good to me. And I don't want to make him feel like, you know, I'm, so I will ask him, like, do you care if I say this? Like, I was just joke or whatever. And he's always like, Becky, that's so funny. Like, I don't even know. That's actually really funny. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's fan. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I, I always have to uh, make it clear to any any of the women I've dated, you know, like, you know, when you're <laughs> – there's always that moment of, uh, you know, you meet a girl. Oh, you're a comedian. It's like, yeah, and, you know, just letting you know if this continues to be a thing, you know, you're going to come up. And, and you know, this is kind of the only warning you're going to get. You know, you're not not like, you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, you still want to keep it respectful. But I feel like whenever you've got a, a friend or a loved one or, or whatever the case might be who's a comedian, you have to be prepared for the fact that. You know, you're gonna cut. They they might make a joke about you at some point in the future, especially if you do stupid shit. Oh, totally, totally. It's hard because a lot of people would wouldn't. You know, it'd probably be things people wouldn't like. Um, you know, to have their life, you know, talked about. But oh, I feel like. You know, if you're a secure person, you're like whatever. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Right. I, I feel like, you know, if you meet a girl, she's super secure. She's like, say whatever you want about me. Who cares? I don't care what people say. Do you care what people say about you? I don't. Not particularly, no. I mean, one of my favorite things of, of this past year was we, we did a roast for a guy in town. And, and was some of the stuff they said about me absolutely brutal and true? 100%. Did I laugh my ass off the entire time? You, absolutely, I did. Being a comedian, <laughs> right? I feel like if you get yep. pissed off at a roast, I mean, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, you should probably not find it. Like I, I, I'm sure people say things about me, like just like and and picking, like joking all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. I'm crazy, you know. Like, oh, Betsy, you didn't catch on to this. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> I even get on stage and go, so I'm a little bit of an idiot. I didn't, you know, like I, I. But being a, a comic is also picking on yourself. So it's not like you're just, you know, picking on your other half. Part of it is, you know, all comes back to you, right? Oh, you're you're talking. Trust me, I I I've gone I've gone to competitions with nothing but material about how much of a fucking loser I am. Trust me, it's a it's a I have a black belt in self deprecation. <laughs> it's if if I ever if I ever actually start dating somebody again at this point, my career is fucking over. do you you know we we live in we live in a weird time right now we see it all the time in uh you know on twitter and on the internet you know eddie murphy recently came out and and apologized for the material he did like back on his raw special and 
you know, it, I think I think you'd be I, I think it's there's definitely a line, a fine line, but a line nonetheless between, you know, we say all the time, you know, was what they were did they were they making a joke or were they just being an asshole? And I think nowadays the way comedy is, it's getting harder and harder to to make that distinction, but it's also getting harder and harder to walk that line because of the way that just the way people perceive things nowadays. Has that been something you've had to kind of work around uh, yourself? Um, well, I definitely think, you know, no, not so much, but there have been things that I'm like, I wrote this joke, like, like, is it too dark because of what goes on today with, you know, I mean, like there are things like, a lot of comics do mass shooter jokes. I wrote this thing that that's the scariest thing, you know, that I was ever scared of is like a shooting. But you know, but, you know, and then like, but now I'm scared of like the 20 year old taking my whole life away, my heart, you know, because as you get older, you're also for a younger woman. But it is interesting because you start to think like, do I want to stay on stage? What if somebody's aunt was affected by that? And, Look, there are a lot of jokes that go around and a lot of jokes that sometimes I cringe at, but then they end up being funny. But at first, you're kind of like, oh, like the topic. And I do feel like it's, you know, the world is so crazy right now. There are a lot of sensitive things, you know, that, that, that you know, a lot of comics still find ways around doing those sensitive things and making them funny. But um, eh, it's hard. It's, I, I, I probably would choose not to talk about certain topics that could be super sensitive because, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, it would depend on how you go about it, probably. But right. I do think it is a really hard time right now in comedy. Like, it really, really is. I mean, now it's like the most sensitive time in the world. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm not super sensitive. So, you know, things probably don't but then again some people are though i guess you you see people in crowds like screaming sometimes if something sensitive is said but i you know i i don't know how to, I, I don't know how to answer it but no it's i do feel like i i don't probably try not to and i will do a joke and say in a workout where i'm like too dark too dark you know yeah <laughs> i'll ask people like it is comic, it know? is a weird time now, you know. We you know we're here in Dayton, Ohio, and you know we had a we had a mass shooting here a little over a month ago, and it was, you know, the the day after the El Paso shooting, and uh, it, you know, it, but but it, it's a weird time here, you know. Uh, the day before Dave, Ch you know, Dave Chappelle's from this area; he still lives around here. And the day before his special dropped on Netflix, he held a huge uh, outdoor – they basically shut down all of downtown Dayton. And Stevie Wonder was here and Kanye West was here. And he Dave Chappelle kind of emceed this whole big outdoor music and entertainment event. And, you know, the idea of kind of bringing the city back together and, you know, getting some new life into things – and and that was great and you know he was kind of being hailed as this hero and then it was just so weird to see within 24 hours his netflix special dropped and everyone kind of kind of turned on him um for the stuff that he talked about in his special and you know it just kind of goes to your point earlier of just it's just it's crazy how how much you know how 
a single issue or a single, you know, just a, a joke or a comment or whatever it is, can it, things can flip flop so quickly. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting to see. It's like, you know, it's just, and I, you know, I don't know, we, you know, it's, I can't say that it's such a bad thing that the world has gotten sensitive because we need more of a sensitive world because there's so much bad happening mm-hmm. and we need compassionate people. But a joke is still a joke at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, a joke is still a joke. And um, it, I don't think that if he made a joke that insulted someone, it takes away from the, the kind heart that he has. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a joke. And clearly someone who does something like that for community has a really kind, caring heart. So, you know, you have to be able to differentiate between the two. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough, you know? I mean, yeah, I don't know. But I I can't say anything. I think Dave Chappelle is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I I, um, I, th- I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who, who who didn't feel the same way. I mean, look where the guy is done with his life for crying out loud. Yeah, it's incredible to see someone like that, like how far they've gone and how successful. But but I I, I did see that he had um you know held that big you know thing and he had all these people come out and I thought that is so cool that a guy like that does something like that for a community. That's what I thought when I saw it. And I had seen one of the, a, to, a couple of comics that I knew that were there um, on Instagram. And I thought, this is so amazing and cool. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think people need to understand, like, I think it's a hard thing to understand, but like a joke is a joke and it doesn't change the kind heart that comics have. And, you know, that's a, clearly a good-hearted, sensitive person. So, I mean, and if he made a joke that offended you, I'm sure he's very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We are, we're we're, kind of, we're starting to run out of time here with, with, with Betsy and it makes me sad because I've had so much fun talking with you today. Um, Before we do end things, you know, this is the one I, I always like to give everybody a chance to, 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 to direct attention to things they have going on. So right now, Bling and Betsy Cox, the floor is yours. What have you got going on? What, where can people see you? Where can they find you? Uh, uh, plug, plug, plug your shit, lady. Well, I'm going to plug Alex Thomas's show, The Funny Don't Stop Show. Um, I'm on it now as a co-host on Tuesday night on Dash Radio from 8 to 9.30, and it's, they have a YouTube channel, The Funny Old Stop Show, from live. You can watch it every Tuesday from 8 till 9.30. Uh, if you look at my Instagram, you can grab the call-in number and call in, and Alex Thomas is a hilarious comic, and the show is so much fun, and I'm super excited that they brought me on to be a part of it, so... Check it out. The Funny Don't Stop show. It's Alex Thomas's radio show. It's hysterical. And everybody, if you're if you're if you can listen to that, make sure you tune in. Listen to Betsy. Listen to listen to the show. It's, it's I guarantee you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Betsy Cox, th- I cannot thank you enough for for coming on the show today. It means a lot to me, and I had a lot of fun, and love to have you back anytime. Oh, I loved it. And you keep in touch now. Okay. Oh. I had 
so yeah. much fun. Anytime, you just let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, you can find Betsy. Check out her website, blingandbetsy.com. You can find her on Instagram at blingandbetsy. Is it, uh, bleh, bleh. Help me out here, Betsy. I'm tongue-tied. Yeah, <laughs> Bling and Betsy. Woo! <laughs> Follow her at Bling and Betsy. You guys will not regret it. Make sure you, you you check her on the radio. If you're in L.A., go see her performing somewhere nearby soon. And uh, as always, guys, you can find me online. Go to my website, MikeShayComedy.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MikeShayComedy. And uh, for all that good stuff, and uh, don't forget, if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can support it at Patreon.com slash BasementLoungePod in the event you feel like giving me a dollar every month because I talk into a microphone. So with that being said, guys, thanks again to Betsy Cox for coming on the show. uh, And we will see you guys again next week for a brand new episode of The Basement Lounge. Until then, as always, live well, rock on, take care, and bye-bye.